Okay, She Runs Ultras, episode number five, things that go bump in the night. So one of the things that no one tells you when you get into ultras is that if you're going to run a long race, there's a definite chance you'll be running in the dark. <laughs> and I'm not a fan of the dark. I think it started with games of flashlight tag that we used to play as kids, me, my siblings, my cousins, my uncles, and they were super hardcore about it, but I never got comfortable with sneaking around in the dark or having the shit scared out of me. So when I was training for my first 100 mile attempt, I was confronted with the reality that I would have to run in the dark obviously, if I wanted to make the time cut off. And I wasn't thrilled about the idea of doing this, but I knew that I would have a pacer for a good portion of the night. So I felt much better about not being alone. That and I knew that there would be other people out on the course with me. So that was a comforting thought. I think I was, you know, just mostly nervous about being out there in the middle of nowhere all by myself. (laughs) Like no one will hear you scream. Like that's, that's what I had thoughts, thoughts of, but that wasn't the case. So let me just clear the air. With that said, I didn't do a lot of training, nighttime training for that, that first hundred mile attempt, because I was banking on the fact that I would have my pacer and that there would be, be people out there. I basically did just enough to get comfortable wearing my headlamp and practicing picking up my feet so that I wouldn't trip. And to my credit, with the limited amount of training that I did, I did pretty well. I definitely got the proverbial tunnel vision and I had my fair share of toe stubs and I did trip a couple times, but you know, nothing major. So during that race, like I mentioned, I had a pacer from about 10 p.m. to 3 a.m., but after that, I was totally on my own, three hours all by myself in the dark, and let me tell you, it was interesting. (laughs) I had had a very long night leading up to that 3 a.m., and um, I'm sure at some point I will share the details of that race in a future episode, and I'm probably going to call it what not to do (laughs) during your first 100-mile attempt. But to say that I was very tired was an understatement. Um, I left the aid station on my return trip to base camp and the crowd of runners had really thinned out. So all of those people that I was banking on to be there, they weren't there. (laughs) So I basically ran the whole length of the course and only saw, I don't know, maybe like 10 or 15 people. And that's when I started to have a couple hallucinations, like things started moving, trees, rocks, shrubs. But honestly, I was too tired and too cold to really get worked up over it. I knew that I had to keep moving if I was going to make the time cut off. So I just tried to stay focused on that rather than what was or what was not (laughs) going on around me. You know, things were a little weird. Eventually, I made it back to base camp just as the sun was coming up, but that experience got me thinking that I really should get more comfortable with running at night. When I started talking with other women about running at night, the overwhelming consensus was it's scary. (laughs) And I don't blame them because that's what I used to think about it. 
and still do to a certain extent. So I thought it would be fun to get a group together and run in the dark, kind of like group therapy for for people who are afraid of the dark. And not only was it fun, but it also helped all of us get more comfortable with running at night. And so we did this maybe four or five times and ended up stopping because of the weather, but I'm definitely going to pick back up with those runs in the future. So if you live nearby and you don't particularly care for the dark (laughs) and you want to come join us, um, I'll post a link in the show notes where you can sign up to get on my email list and I'll notify you when we start to do those runs again. So for the last few months, I've been getting up before dawn to walk. And I think I've mentioned this before. It's part of a step challenge that I'm doing with the ladies in my private Facebook group. And we started it back in November as a way to help us kind of like get geared up for 2021 training. And it's been going well. So I really like to get up early and work out first thing in the morning because then I know it's done and I don't have to spend the rest of my day worrying about whether or not I'm going to have time for it later. There's been a couple things (laughs) that have happened while I've been out on these early morning walks that I wanted to share with you. This first one, I'm going to share an experience that I had because I think it really illustrates how sounds or songs or smells, you know, can kind of like bring you right back to a time, a place or an experience that you had. And while I was out on a walk one morning, I had a similar experience, but with sound. So one of the landowners near us is doing some logging and they start really early in the morning, like between 6 and 6.30 a.m. And I was walking near that section the other day and I heard this like really heavy machinery rumbling around in the woods and every time I hear something like that it brings me back to this experience that I had way back in 2006 when I got to race in the Baja 1000. So if you're not familiar with this it's an off-road race in vehicles but you can also do it like dirt bikes, ATVs, you know there's all sorts of things, cars, trucks that basically you go from point to point. And the year that I did it, we went from Ensenada to La Paz. So basically end to end on the Baja Peninsula. And I got to race with a team of all women and it's broken up into sections. So my co-driver and I, we were the third team to get into the car. And it just so happened that our drive started at night. (laughs) We would have liked to have gotten into the car during the daytime, but we had some, um, our other team members had some mechanical issues that delayed them getting to us. So Becky drove and I was the navigator and we got into the car. If my memory serves me right, it was somewhere around like 11 p.m. and everything was going great. We were cruising right along with hardly any issues for a couple hours. And we got to this one section and Becky pointed something out to me that was kind of off on my side of the car. And it was hard to make out, but eventually I figured out they were fires burning and they were not just like random. It wasn't like a, you know, wildfire. It was campfires. They were people that were camping out quite literally in the middle of the Mexican desert, in the middle of nowhere to watch this race. Well... I mentioned I was the navigator. So when I was looking at these fires, I took my eyes off the GPS. And when I focused my eyes forwards again, I caught 
the sight of this really sharp left hairpin turn and I managed to shout out to Becky hard left, but it was too late. (laughs) We overshot the turn and we ended up perched on top of this big dirt mound and Becky did her best to try to, you know, like manually rock the car, but we couldn't get off. And, but luckily some of those very same people that were at those campfires came over and they started to give us a push. We got the car free, but it was stalled out because basically while we were sitting up there, we were just sucking dirt up into the engine and the air filters. Now I should probably mention that we're not on this course alone. (laughs) And so we got out of the car to try to figure out what was going on. And off in the distance, I could hear these other vehicles, but mostly I could hear what they call the trophy trucks. And these are just these huge souped up trucks that are super powerful and capable of going over 100 miles an hour. And I could see them. I could look off into the distance and see the headlights of all the people behind us on the course making their way towards us. And if you've never heard the sound of one of these trucks before, I would highly recommend that you look it up on YouTube. But when you're a sitting duck in the middle of a high-speed race course, stalled out, at night, (laughs) on the exit of a hairpin turn, and you've got these trucks you know, coming towards you, that is a sound that will forever conjure up those moments of like fear and panic in my mind. We eventually were able to get the car started again and none of those trucks actually reached us, but it was touch and go there for a few minutes. We had a few smaller cars pass us, but none of the big trucks. So when I was out walking the other day, that sound of those logging machines off in the woods, in the dark, kind of brought me right back to that place in time. I think it's just so crazy how you have memories and you can really feel like you're there again. Luckily, I knew I wasn't in any danger of these these logging trucks coming barreling down the road towards me, but I had a moment there. And it's because I've been pretty consistent with these pre-dawn walks that I'm starting to get more comfortable being out there by myself. It's still not my favorite place to be, and I don't know if I'll ever get there, but the goal is just to raise my comfort and confidence levels. And again, I don't even know what I'm really afraid of. Uh, Maybe it's like stuff jumping out of the woods and scaring me. (laughs) I know there are plenty of other animals out there and that doesn't bother me, Um, but I definitely don't want to get sprayed (laughs) by a skunk or anything. And in the past, I've had a couple run-ins with bears and by run-ins, I mean like I've just been within 50 yards of them, nothing major by any stretch of the imagination. So I guess I'm not really afraid of the dark, but more so (laughs) getting startled. I know all the stuff that's out there is more afraid of me than I am of it, but it doesn't necessarily help when a pair or multiple pairs of glowing eyes are staring back at you from deep inside the forest. And just this past couple of weeks, I've started to really feel very comfortable with these walks in the dark to the point where I was thinking about making a video and posting it on social media, just talking about, hey, this is what I've been doing these are the things I've been trying and here's how it's going, you know, sharing like, wow, I actually am kind of feeling a little more comfortable. And literally right as I was having that thought, I heard this screeching 
coming from not too far off in the woods. So naturally I pulled out my phone and I started recording that that very video and I was hoping to kind of get some of that screeching in the background, but it didn't happen. But you can see the video. I posted it actually today on my Instagram page. And I should have known that just when I was getting comfortable, Mother Nature would keep me on my toes by throwing me this curveball. <laughs> it ended up being a fox. And I have seen fox tracks a lot. And when I was doing my walks back in the summer, when it was when it was already light out in the morning, I would see this fox often. So he and I, we live in the same hood. <laughs> so I'm not sharing any of this stuff to scare you in any way. But if you're planning on doing an ultra, like I said, there is a solid chance that you'll have to run in the dark. And I'm always a fan of just being as prepared as I possibly can and night running, getting comfortable with all the elements and the facets of night running before you get thrown into that situation, I think is a good idea. And I know that I can't possibly be the only 40 something ish person out there that isn't a fan of the dark. So if this is you and you're thinking about doing an ultra that's going to require nighttime running, here are some things that I've been experimenting with that I think have really helped me to get more comfortable. So the first one is starting at home base. Like I'm assuming that you feel safe in your, you know, your neighborhood. So that's where... I start. I always kind of start and end where I feel most safe in my neighborhood, in the streets and the neighborhoods around me. Um, and it can be as, as little as like a five minute out and back or loop in your neighborhood to build up your confidence and then just work up from there. The second thing is having a good headlamp and or flashlight. And I typically use both. I mentioned earlier having both of those items. And recently for Christmas, I got a new Kogala light. That's like 2.2.0. But having a, a headlamp and or a flashlight that's super bright with a nice wide beam really helps. And I have both because I don't really like to whip my head around to try to have to see what's going on and have my headlamp be the only source of light. So that's why I carry a flashlight at the same time. And if you have um, any sort of vertigo or balance issues, having two points of light will also help. The other one is I put one headphone in. Now, obviously I want you to be safe and be aware of your surroundings, but I have also found that when I could listen to a little bit of something, whether it was music or a podcast, that I was less focused on trying to hear every little noise coming out of the woods and more focused on just putting one foot in front of the other. Trying to hear everything that was going on around me was actually making my fear grow. I knew nothing was stalking me. It was all in my head. And so that's why having just a little bit of a distraction was really helpful for me. The next one is go with friends, right? Recruit friends, family members, neighbors, you know, take your dog with you. Like just having someone there with you is really helpful. And again, it can be for short bouts of time and you can work together to build up. Or if you know someone who already is really comfortable at the dark, in the dark, definitely grab them and bring them along with you. And then the last one is go consistently, 
And I've found that going like once or twice every so often won't help you. You really have to make it a regular thing and really start to, you know, expose yourself to this repeated stimulus of being out there in the dark. And you can play around with all of those other elements, you know, flashlight, headphone, friends, where you go. But if you consistently do it, you will build your confidence and your comfort level. Now, obviously, I mentioned this before, I want you to be safe. Like I want you to be aware of your surroundings and trust your gut. So if something doesn't feel right, you know, turn around, get out of there, go home, leave, and always tell people where you're going and kind of approximately what time you'll be back. And I just, as a note, I always take my phone. I talk a lot about not relying on technology. But when I when I say that, I really mean your watch. Like don't be beholden to the watch on your wrist. But taking your phone for safety purposes is super smart. So hopefully you guys found that helpful. I know that, like I said before, I can't be the only person who made it into their 40s and isn't a huge fan of the dark. Um, but I feel like It's a necessary element that if you're going to do an ultra that you should have a handle on and you should put in some time to train and get comfortable with before you end up needing that skill. Because it's not necessarily the easiest thing to run at night and you definitely have to build up some time, you know, finding the right combination, headlamp, flashlight, you know, how you're going to set yourself up. So do yourself a favor and practice. And I'd love to hear any stories that you might have from being out in the dark, whether they're silly or scary, (laughs) send them to me via email or post about it on Instagram and tag me at find your ultra. I'd love to hear. And you know, we can commiserate, we can share running in the dark stories. (laughs) And maybe you've got a technique or something that you'd like to share that has really worked for you that I can experiment with. So I'm looking forward to hearing all of those stories. Enjoy this beat and I'll see you all soon.